Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on with Chizo. Today we're talking rucks and ruck structure. I'm back once again with the legend, the myth, Pistol. How are you, champion? Yeah, I'm not too bad. How about yourself? Mate, I'm uh, I'm struggling with trying to figure out exactly what I do with my ruck structure. I've had um, two mid-prices. I've had set and forget. I've had wits at R2. I want to nut this out so we can kind of help the community understand exactly what kind of uh, train of thoughts we've been having during the preseason because right now I actually probably need just as much help as everyone else. Um, first thing I want to talk about, everyone knows that rucks um, are the most volatile of uh, kind of our, our positions. They tend to fluctuate from year to year. You don't usually have um, the, the same two set and forgets every single year. Um, I think that's slightly going to change, Pistol. I think we p- can probably, uh, all injuries aside, predict the top three Ruckman, maybe even in order. Um, would you agree with that? Uh, I would, but let's hear what uh, which three you have. Okay, so the three that I've got in order who I think are going to average um, from highest to lowest of the top three, they're the three Gs, Gorn, Goldie, and Grundy. I think that they're easily a level above even the fourth and fifth Ruckman in the competition. Um, the only person that could probably compete with them at the moment is maybe Sanderlands when he was 28. <laughs> no, I certainly agree with those three. Um, I'd go as far to say you have to have at least one of them definitely locked away in your side to start the year. And one thing that hasn't wavered for me is that at R1, since even before Supercoach opened, I was making my draft teams, Gorn was locked straight in there. Um, is that the same for you? Uh, yes, it is. But I can also see merit if you want to save some cash and get him later in the season because historically the number one scoring Ruckman doesn't back it up the next year. However, Gorn was just that good and that insane. And I don't want to miss any of those uh, captain points early as well. So for me, it's just a set and forget. Get it out of the way. Don't have to think about it. Don't stress. And yeah, just lock it in. The big thing for me with Gorn is the dude's still young as. He's in his mid-20s. He's not like the uh, the, the Goldies, the Sandys, uh, the Steph Martins that are 30-plus. He's still coming into his prime. He may not even hit it. And considering the type of year he had last year, if we jump him on now, there's every chance that he holds that price from round one, maybe even increases it going up into the buys. Yeah, he's so young. Imagine what happens when he finally hits puberty. <laughs> He'll, uh, his beard's just going to get bigger and bigger as well. Mate, I'm still waiting for Houston to hit puberty, but we won't talk about that anymore. Uh, mate, one of the structures that um, is common in the, the new kind of super coach since they dropped the R4 position, um, R3 is usually the loophole. Um, it's something that I've used for the last couple of years, making sure that we have that, that late playing um, team that you can always have a, a second captain option that can absolutely save you in certain times when uh, your original captain gets injured due to the VC loophole. I've got two here for you that are easy to pick from. Uh, from Fremantle, we've got basically the cheapest, 102K, also DPP, Learn Sternjika. Uh, I'll probably pronounce that incorrectly there, Pistol, so you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he has 17 late games this season, or Frio has, I should say, meaning that from a Saturday night or a Sunday game is considered late. Uh, rather than any like a, an afternoon game on Sunday. Um, a lot of people also running with Max Lynch uh, from Collingwood, who has 12 late games, um, even has 10 Sunday games, but he's also um, not DPP. Um, are you going with the, the, the R3 loophole pistol, or have you got some sort of uh, other concoction that you, you're cooking up? 
No, I'm definitely going the R3 loophole, and I will be taking the Frio option. I also don't know how to pronounce his name, so um, <laughs> I'm not going to even try, actually. But he is 102k, and he's a forward ruck, so um, it's a great option. The reason, well, one of the main reasons I won't pick Max Lynch um, is the lack of DPP. And also, he shares the same team as Pendlebury, so it stops you from allowing to vice-captain uh, Pendlebury. And obviously, we know he's a really good option to have up your sleeve, so... Uh, big no to Max Lynch for me, and I will be uh, yeah taking the freer lad. Absolutely. Uh, if we're not going the R three, one of the things I, I've been seeing from the community is the Sandy Wits combo at R two R three, and I can certainly see uh, the merits in going with something like that. However, I do feel at two hundred and ten, two hundred and twenty k that Wits is at. I'm not sure if I can really justify that much money sitting on my R3 bench spot. What do you reckon? Um, I don't mind it, just purely because Sandy could score. He could outscore Grundy for all we know. So he's really cheap, and you can afford to have um, Sandy and Wits instead of you save like 100K on, for example, a Grundy and um, a loophole. So you save 100K, you get... Sandy, who should probably match at least Grundy while he's not injured. Um, you save money and you get a cash cow option in wits. The only problem is that it's wits and uh, might not actually live up to pot- potential or score particularly well. And then the question becomes, what do you do with R3? Do you use a trade to get wits out at some point? Or is he just a, you know, if he is a cash cow, are you going to trade him to a donut later on in the season so you don't start with a donut? Or are you going to keep him as R3 permit cover the whole season? Are you confident that he's going to keep his form the whole year? You know, um, if you do have the Sandy combination and Sandy is injured, but he's lost his place um, in the team to Tom Nichols, um, or dare I say it, Dan Curry, that <laughs> Pistol's a fan of, what we spoke about before the pod, is that a wasted position if he's actually lost his spot as the number one ruck when Sandy goes down? Sure, certainly the risk is very high with Wits, but it's also very high with Sandy for completely different reasons. Um, if you're going to take either of them, you've got to be aware of the risks, but also the reward is incredibly great. Yeah, so for me, I think Wits at R3 for me is... Me personally, I'm not going to do R3. If I do have the balls to get Wits in, I would probably go R2, expecting to use him as a cash cow, expecting to trade to an R2 or upgrading him to a Goldstein or a Grundy or someone like that during the year, as scary as it seems having someone that priced at R2, I just don't think I can justify burning a trade, or at least two trades, to upgrade him. Because if you're downgrading wits to a loophole player at R3, to use that money, you have to burn another trade, don't you? So um, to to use wits as a, a cash generator at R2 to be able to go, if you, the money in the bank go up to... Uh, someone um, like a Goldstein uh, after they have their buy in round nine or something like that it makes much more sense to me than having him handcuffed to uh, to Sandy, hoping that at least one of them's playing in, in every given week. Um, so a- another structure that we've been seeing here, Pistol, is uh, both uh, Ryder and Nan Curvis in people's teams, and I've seen them in both forwards and ruck positions. What What's your take on that? Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, most teams that have Ryder on Nankervis, uh, it's because they have Sandilands and don't want to take wits, which is uh, understandable. I think 
Ryder could still be a very good pick. Um, the problem is Hinkley did say he's going to be sharing ruck duties with Trengrove. However, I don't think it's going to be like a 50-50 split of ruck duties. Um, you'd probably expect Ryder to take at least you know 70% of the, the ruck uh, work. I'm not sure how he'll go this year. It's a bit of a wait and see for me, but for people taking him, I think it could be um, a solid solid pick. Nankervis, on the other hand, I'm, I'm a fan. I am a fan of Nank the Tank. He, he moves around the ground well, he tackles, but I think there's some uh, inflated stats going around, um, especially with his uh, percentage of ruck wins uh, that, he, that he gets. Uh, looks good on paper, not sure, practical when you're going up against a number one ruck rather than going up against you know number two rucks or tiring uh, number one rucks of the opposition team. Also, Hampson's not dead, he's still around, so you've got to factor that in as well. And, and Hampson is a, a, a good tap ruckman, Amongst his limited capability, so um, you could you could foresee that they might share duties at some point during the year. So um, Nankervis might not probably go to the heights that everyone's expecting. I just want to throw you some numbers at uh, from Patrick Ryder. I think we can probably only really consider him as maybe a, a my range ninety is probably what I expect uh, ninety to ninety five. I think his upper limit that he could possibly get this year is only a hundred and while that would be good in the forward line, you really need him to probably have a really, really good year to justify picking him in that, um, the expecting him to get into the top six forwards by the end of the year. I think, personally, if I was picking him, I would pick him in the forward line where our expected average per our top our top players in that line are a little bit less than what you would expect in the rucks where you have a Gorn and a Goldie going 115 plus. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. And on top of that, following on from my comment about um, wits not being uh, worth an R3, if I did have Sanderlands at R2, I would go someone like uh, a Ryder or a Nankervis in the forward line to be out of cover if necessary. That That's the kind of link that I would have if I was going to take Sanderlands in. What, what do you think about that, Pistol? I would go with Ryder and wouldn't go with Nank. I think that would be uh, my, my final decision. Yeah. Uh, we know that Patrick Ryder scores better when he's in the, uh, the, the ruck position rather than a forward, but he's never really been um, an overly great ruckman per se. He only averages 11 point. Uh, 11.6 or 12%, um, sorry, averages a, a hit out to advantage of 12%, which is you know considerably down on, you look at Gorn and Goldstein and Sandlands, they're all around the 18% mark. So he has to try and make up his, his points in other areas and he's never really been a high disposal getter. So those people picking him up at, you know, he's 410, 420K, expecting him to be an absolute lock in their team and uh, to hold their forward line together. I think you really need to temper your, your expectations because me personally, with the only 10% discount, I think you're paying too much for too little return. Yeah, I think you're just not getting value. I think he's probably priced at what he's worth, but yeah, yeah you're not gaining anything. There's no value there. Yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on what you said with Nan Curvis, um, he's got a hit-out-to-advantage ratio of 14.7%, which is really, really good. It's getting up there. You know, they're 5%, per hit out, uh, 5 points per hit-out to advantage, um, so he can really rack up some points in that aspect. But again, he doesn't do overly much around the ground. He, uh, he absolutely tackles like a beast, so he's going to get a lot of points that way. But as you said, 
his limit he only averaged 85 minutes on ground last year which is quite low for a ruckman when you consider that that goldie does 110 minutes plus per game so he a lot fresher coming up against um, you know, solo ruckman, whereas Nankervis was often um, a second ruck at, at playing with a, a, a Tippett or a, a Naismith, something like that, where he was having that chop out, having that benefit. He was a lot fresher, and therefore his stats don't really tell exactly how he's going to perform as the number one sole ruck in a Richmond outfit. Yeah, and uh, so what structure are you thinking of going into the season? <laughs> JLT mate does does crazy things to me. I had to sit and forget thinking that I was happy with Gorn and Goldie. I just want to lock them away. I don't have to worry about trades and rucks. I don't have to worry about chasing them later on the year. I can just lock in what I lock in the two that I want, the two that I think are going to get there. But that, that little voice in the back of my head, pistol. <laughs> What's Wits, it saying? Wits is so cheap. He's he's like a rookie. You can just pick him up and he only needs to average 70. And it just it's just gnawing. It wakes me up in the middle of the night, Pistol. Uh, and so right now, I've got Gorn and Wits there. And I can tell you right now, I don't like the look of it. Every time I'm looking at my team, I scroll past it and focus on something else. But <laughs> at this stage, I just I don't like the idea of going sandy, knowing that that means I have to worry about handcuffing uh, with a rider or a Nankervis. Because I, I think that Wits, at his such a low price, he will make enough money to justify his um, justify his position as a rookie when they have their buy around round nine. That by that stage you will have a better understanding at who is R two, who is R three in the competition behind Gorn, um, or who's the one you missed out of. Maybe uh, Tom Hickey with the, the new ruck rules actually make him explode and he starts averaging 1.5, 1.10, something like that, and you want a unique. At round nine, you'll be able to get a better understanding and you'll say, hey, now I can upgrade wits to that one that I now have a bit more clarity about and I didn't have to lock two ruckmen in from the word go. Yeah, except it's a bit difficult when wits plays two games and gets dropped because I realize he's uh, no good. And puts his webbing in his hand again. And then he doesn't make it back on the team and you're stuck with a 211k second ruck stuck on your, uh, stuck there forever. All right. The, the, the one final structure we haven't touched on, this kind of links into the wits at R2 situation. If you were really worried that, say, he was going to lose his, uh, his spot and you may need cover at R3 and you're going to do, um, say, you're going to loop somewhere else or you weren't going to go for a loophole altogether... Um, Two rookies that we could be looking at that have had some time in JLT are Braden Pruce and Darcy Cameron. Uh, do you want to just run us through uh, Darcy Cameron, uh, a few stats and his background so uh, the community uns a little, understands a little bit more about him and uh, his chances of getting a game at the Sydney Swans? Yeah, so the uh, Darcy Cameron is a big man. He uh, actually transitioned to being more of a target up forward than just a pure ruckman. Um, I should say he comes in at 117k and he has that DPP ruck forward status. Um, last year he played in the uh, waffle for Claremont and he managed to be the sixth most accurate goal conversion rate in the waffle and 90% of his goals came from set shots which was 32 of them. So he knows how to kick a goal um, and kick the kick straight as well. So he's more than just a ruckman and could certainly play that sort of Sinclair-type role for Swans. The only problem is Sinclair is still there, so he will have to try and overtake them to um, get into that 
starting ruck position. Yeah, the, the, I guess the best thing with Darcy Cameron with uh, Nankervis leaving, uh, he's moved a spot up the ruck order, but also that the majority of the time Sydney Swans have at least one, if not two, of their rucks injured. Yeah, well, Tippett is very injury-prone, and Naismith's been injured a lot as well, and now you've got Sinclair. So there are three Ruckman ahead of him. All three are pretty injury-prone, so who knows what will happen. I think he'll get games throughout the season. Um, he's quite handy. He averaged in the waffle 13 hitouts a game, 11 disposals, and just over five marks. And look, I think he'll, if you pick him, you'll get some games out of him throughout the year. Not sure he'll start round one, though. Depends what you want to go for if you want to have a loophole the whole season or if you just want to try and make money. Personally, loophole is going to get you about 400 points throughout the season, so I always think that loophole is worth it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one other rookie that we've noticed in the, the, the JLT, one that's popped up, Braden Pruce for, for North Melbourne, the 206-centimetre Goliath. Uh, he's actually playing some good good games there, Pistol. Did you catch any of his performances the other night? He's, he's actually looking not a bad selection. No, he's he's looking very strong. He goes forward as well. Um, he scores in JLT Week 1 with 70, and he backed it up in uh, JLT Week 2 with a 95. So he's scoring. He actually outscored Goldstein in the second one, not that it means too much. <laughs> Mate, so you're suggesting that we should take Bruce ahead of Goldstein, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, please don't take that from this podcast. <laughs> you heard it here first. Pistols taking Bruce at R2. Um, he's a third-year player. Uh, in the VFL last year, averaged 10 hitouts to advantage, which, you know, Five per hit-out to advantage. That's 50 points just from hit-outs. He also does a little bit around the ground. The The point with, that I make with Pruce is that he'd be really, really good to handcuff um, with Goldstein. So say you took Goldie R1, um, he'd be really good at R3 selection because if one goes down, usually uh, you wouldn't expect Majak Door to either to, to ruck a whole game. So there's every chance that Pruce could come in, particularly now that Drew Petrie's at the West Coast Eagles, their pistol. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great move, especially if you are going with Goldie. If you're not going with Goldie, then it might not be relevant for you, but it can save you a trade down the track. The only problem is uh, Proust doesn't have that DPP status, so you're probably not be going to be going for like the Ryder or the Nankervis option. Awesome. All right, mate. The last thing I want to touch on is just uh, a little bit of draft stuff with the uh, the Dr. Supercoach draft coming up in the next couple of weeks. I want to touch on a few names that might be relevant to those picking a, a little bit down the order. If you miss the big three, say you've missed out on Gorn, Goldie and Grundy, whether it be a keeper uh, or a single season draft, uh, what are a couple names that um, you might consider as that next tier that you want to that you you want to jump on um, to to keep your ruck scoring over in the in the season to come? Uh, for longevity purposes, I would choose Jacobs over Mummy or or like a Tippet, and probably if you're in some sort of keeper league situation, you might want to look towards Hickey. He's uh, been pretty much improving every year, and he certainly at least got the makings of someone that could potentially break out in the future. Absolutely. And uh, with the new the, the new ruck rule, no third man up, it's really interesting. Hickey had the most, uh, the highest percentage of his ruck contests involved another player coming over in third man up. And with his actually quite good hit out to advantage ratio, you could see that his average could jump from the mid 80s up to 100 just by an extra one or two um, uh, hit-outs to advantage that he gets from not having that third man jumping over the top there for him, Pistol. 
Yeah, exactly. Definitely for a draft selection, I think is a good pick. I wouldn't pick him in a normal super coach. 100 for your second Ruckman's probably cutting it fine considering um, the last couple of years that typically the top two Ruckman go closer to the 110 mark. So you'd be leaking, you know, 10 points every single week. Um, but certainly draft, if you've got a late pick, if you want to leave the Rucks for a little, Hickey generally slides under the radar as well. Um, he'll probably go after Ryder and, you know, after Tippett and stuff. So certainly keep an eye out for him. Yeah, he doesn't have the fanfare that those kind of players do do have. Like, everyone will jump on Ryder because he's that big name. He's coming back from the year off. Um, he's played some good football. He's a flashy name. Whereas Hickey might slide down the order a little bit lower but might score anything up to 10 points more. So did you catch the game tonight, the Brisbane uh, Bulldogs game? I think I know who you're going to talk about. It's a, a Ruckman for Brisbane. It certainly is. And uh, which one do you think I'm talking about? You're talking about Archie Smith, of course, for our R2 position. Oh, no, not quite. The other, the other player for the R2 position. Well, I know you're talking about Steph Martin, but I'm not entirely sure that you can really consider him a Ruckman. Um, you were mentioning before at the end of the game, he had 31 hitouts, but only one to advantage, courtesy of Fantasy Frico. Yeah, that's not looking pretty good for Steph Martin. He also only got the eight touches, so he's not really getting around the ground, getting the ball. He's not hitting it out well. I'm not quite sure he's going to be in for a great year, especially with Archie Smith looking so good in the JLT series so far. Well, that leads me on to the next question. If he's struggling that much to have an impact in the ruck, will that lead the lines down the path of playing Archie Smith um, alongside Steph Martin to try and win more certainty um, in the midfield because he does have that that great Nick Nat type leak leap leak leap to to uh, to try and be more assertive in the midfield. Uh, look, I really don't know, but I think it's certainly an option that they they trial trial it. And I'm not sure you want to select Stephen Martin if he's sharing ruck duties. Didn't go too well for him last year with uh, Trent West when he came in, got a couple of gigs, and even Archie Smith himself. So. Uh, yeah, I look, I think it's too much risk at that price. I know last year he destroyed both of our seasons since we both started with him. Yeah, a big pass for me. I think, uh, what is it, once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, something like that. The 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 big part that scares me off is... He's he's also getting old. Like he he, he got to that stage where um, he spent his whole career trying to get that exposure, trying to get that number one ruck role. He finally got it, and you know he was more of a midfielder, but he finally was um, excelling at at his role. And then all it took was you know a season and a half, and we're already finding excuses for him to 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 keep him out of his side. And at that age, seeing another burst from him when you've got young players like Archie Smith coming Smith coming through, I'm just I, I just don't see it improving for him from a, a fantasy football super coach wise um, situation. And that's you know a lot of people might say, oh, he, you know he went. Um, 105, 110, whatever it was the year before, he's underpriced. Um, I'm going to pick him up and find some value. You know, I'm re- I'm I'm fairly sure that the value you're getting at him right now is probably the output you can expect for the year. Yep, too right, Chizo. Does that uh, about wrap it up? That pretty much wraps it up, mate. That's everything I've got on the show notes here. Pleasure to have you chatting to me again, mate. Uh, really good to hear your voice. Thank you, and once again, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, feel free to donate to the Cancer Council charity link. Uh, we'll post it in the comments, and yeah, anything from no matter how small would be very greatly appreciated. 
Absolutely. Um, and don't forget to uh, find us on iTunes. Leave a review if you feel that you really enjoyed this podcast. Maybe you get a shout out next week if you write a funny one for Pistol. <laughs> Do something funny with his name. Something no, like that. just. Anyway. <laughs> don't don't review it if you're uh, going to give it a bad mark. <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. I'm going to sign off. We'll catch you uh, in the coming days when uh, we talk about the the other areas of the ground: forwards, backs, midfielders. Everyone loves the midfielders. Pistol. I'll talk to you later. No worries. Catch you later.